Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 371, covering the Vulcan Hello, recorded live at the Pocket Theater. Hi, friends! Hey! You guys have been very patient. I appreciate that, especially through all of that Klingon talking. Oh, my God. Matt, we only have an hour. <laughs> Executed perfectly. Oh, flawlessly, to the point that it meant nothing. Uh-huh. So before we start our summary, first impressions, what do you think? It's good, man. I'm happy to not be watching Stupid Enterprise anymore. Well, see, there's two things going on here. There's... It's not Enterprise, mm-hmm. which it's. could be literally anything. Like, I mean, I would watch Young Sheldon before I watched <laughs> Enterprise again. That's just the last thing I heard. I heard my wife out here talking about Young Sheldon. I guess she's a Young Sheldon enthusiast. Yes, I'm not sure what that's about. Uh, but then there's also the first new Star Trek show in what was it? Enterprise almost, ended in 2005. Yeah, this aired almost, last year. Twelve yeah, years. Yeah. That's nuts, and I think it's got some problems. But it's, it's look, it's not perfect, but it's better than. Other things we could be watching. But again, putting aside that it's not Enterprise, just on its own merits. I, I like it. I like the characters. Now, okay. this, this is weird because it's not a pilot so much as it is like a well, prologue to the pilot. So Yeah, apparently like, they made the initial 13 and then they said, oh, wait, you need to know who these people are. So we're going to go back and tack two more on at the beginning to establish. I, who some I of cannot imagine are. who would start with that pilot as I've seen it and then go from that. Yeah, this is fine. You don't need to see uh, any of these yeah, characters. Yeah, you don't need to just, establish any of this. Just jump it's right fine. in. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a little unusual in that regard. I'm going to. Hey, get over here. Come like, sit by me. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> That's better. All right. Still got now it's like we're radio hosts. Yeah. Faces for radio. Uh-huh. All right. So I think that's about enough banter. It's about enough uh, perfectly natural mm-hmm. banter. Now we should read some stuff off of some paper we yeah, wrote. Yeah. This is, this, is this is the custom of our people. We have done this 370 times before, so mm-hmm. I feel like I should know what I'm doing. But I still don't. So I apologize for that in advance. That said, here's our summary. Of the Vulcan Hello. Sounds like a Seinfeld title, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. We open on the Orcs of Mordor, which Matt assures me is a Harry Potter reference and an especially hilarious one, speaking Klingon, which is subtitled in Klingon. Who is this for? (laughs) Is this literally just being made for Mark O'Krand, the guy who invented the Klingon language and also wrote a Klingon translation of the K volume of the World Book Encyclopedia? Oh, there, now they're in English, but they still don't feel very Klingon. For all we know, they're not even speaking Klingon. Come on, Discovery. Could you not find a Klingon speaker? What was Michael Dorn doing? Don't answer that. I know what he was doing. It was nothing. <laughs> so meet Takuvma, uniter of the Klingon houses and probably something else. He doesn't like Starfleet. I know that much. Speaking of Starfleet, I am an expert at segways. Now we're on a planet which, for the first time in the franchise's long history, does not look like a dentist's office. It looks like an alien-ass alien planet, complete with alien asses. And aliens attached to them, probably. Also, within the first two minutes, this episode passes the Bechdel test, so we are definitely exploring some strange new worlds for Star Trek. (laughs) Trust us, we've seen 729 previous episodes of Star Trek, and this hardly ever happens. Two women of color not discussing a man? What is this, uh... Ah. 
Matt, did you forget what show you were reviewing? Uh, sorry, I was trying to think of something with two women of color not discussing a man to compare to him. My brain went completely blank. 729 episodes. <laughs> so these are Captain Philippa Giorgio and Commander Michael Burnham of the USS Shenzhou. 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 Their current mission is to provide much-needed backstory to the new viewers and draw a big Star Trek logo so nobody thinks that this is Netflix Presents Lost in Space featuring Sexy Robot. <laughs> also, they fix a well and give water to some crabs. What? <laughs> but this mission pales in comparison to their next one. Fixing a hole in a radio. That's right, somewhere in space, Starfleet has one of those beeping satellites that you get, only it's stopped beeping. And who better to investigate than Starfleet's, I don't know, sixth best ship? The Shenzhou. In all fairness, they do need to make sure it hasn't evolved into a planet-destroying space cloud, a genocidal lobotomizing death probe, or an ocean-vaporizing whale enthusiast. All things that happened. Surprisingly, it's none of these things. Some asshole just threw a rock at it. But, you know, that's how space rolls in Star Trek. You can't go five minutes without some fucker from the Gorn hegemony tossing a rock through your radio. Jerks. Nice use of hegemony, Matt. So Michael Burnham, who is the actual protagonist of this series, and probably someone we should start talking about instead of reading words out of our word-a-day Star Trek calendars, nice though they are, is excited to check out this non-beeping satellite with a hole in it. Less excited is Lieutenant Commander Saru, the science officer. As far as I can tell, his entire job is to scream, Oh, no! and flail his rims around in terror in, at the, any suggestion of new life or new civilizations. Why he chose this career, we cannot say. Dude hasn't so much boldly gone to the bathroom his entire life. But he's a thing, so we should probably mention him too. So Michael suits up in her fancy Mass Effect spacesuit and explores some asteroids on the far side of the radio, only to discover my favorite Star Trek thing. Some weird-ass space architecture. But whose weird-ass is it? I'll save you some time. It's the Klingons. Well, it's one Klingon. In an incredibly un-Klingon space suit. Waving a bat-leth around, I guess. Like Klingons do. Al, why is he out there? Well, first, I did try to market this as a good jumping-on point for people who haven't seen Star Trek before. So we should tell you that a bat-leth is like, uh... You know those neck-beardy dudes with utila kilts that everyone here probably has at least one of in their life? Klingons are all like that guy, and they have these really stupid-looking swords that they like to wave around. As for what this particular Klingon was doing out there, I'm going to stick with my neckbeard comparison and say he stepped out for a vape. <laughs> so then Michael accidentally wins a sword fight, or more accurately, the Klingon falls on his own sword. Way to tragically trip a guy, Mike. You'll go far in this man's space navy. Unfortunately, this uses up her don't-get-killed-by-space-radiation-dummy time limit, mostly because she hadn't planned on spending it jerk-assing around with a Klingon with a stoplight for a head, and her DNA starts falling off, so they beam her back to the ship. <laughs> While Michael's radiation-melted face is somehow futuristically being re-sculpted, the crew of the Shenzhou just go about their business, unaware that a Klingon corpse is lurking nearby. And you know that old saying... Where there's one Klingon corpse, there's a, a thousand Klingon pre-corpses having a boring conversation nearby. <laughs> so Michael sprints to the bridge in her underwear and starts ranting in the captain's face about Klingons. Giorgio, for her part, actually believes this. Which makes sense, because Michael has been her first officer for seven years and she actually trusts her second-in-command. Which seems like common sense, but only if you haven't been watching that show that shall not be named for the past year or so. <laughs> so looking for advice on what to expect when you're expecting thousands of Klingons. Michael excuses herself to hold, up, to hold up one of the great recent Star Trek traditions, calling a Vulcan from another series for help. 
Said Vulcan is our old buddy Sarek, father of Spock, Cybok, and Michael, apparently? Okay. So Sarek tells her about the Vulcans' first encounter with Klingons and how they were massacred, so next time the Vulcans just shot first, and then says to her to specifically not do that. So naturally she returns to the bridge with every intention of doing that. Oh, we should probably also mention that Michael's birth parents were brutally murdered by Klingons, but that probably doesn't have any actual bearing on her entirely rational decision to nerve pinch a skeptical Georgiou and demand that the Shenzhou fire on the Klingon ships. Saru finds something odd about this decision, as does the surprisingly hearty Georgiou, who wakes up about ten seconds after being nerve-pinched. Next time, aim for the neck, she says. <laughs> and she's obviously pretty cheesed off about this whole mutiny thing, but then... Well, how many ugly-ass Klingon ships would you say warp in at this point, Matt? Oh, uh, all of them, Al. Each uglier and more terribly designed than the last. <laughs> yes, I think we're all in complete agreement there. They are extremely ugly, but you said our heroes are boned, right? Oh, I'd say they're deader than disco. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, lots going on. Oh, there's a lot going on. It's a very busy first episode. It is, but on the other hand, this is the second time I've watched it this week as we screened it with the live audience here. Okay. And I was a little bored sometimes, too. Uh, there's a lo- again, there's a lot of Klingons talking. Yeah. The, 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 the points when we're with the Starfleet guys and they're discussing and being a crew together, that stuff's awesome. I am so here for that. Any of the, like, just Giorgio, Saru, mm-hmm. Michael, random guys with cool hats just around the room. Well, the cold open where they're on an alien planet, and again, very alien-looking planet. Mm-hmm. It looks great. Like, the effects technology for television shows has le- leapt well ahead. They probably have more of a budget also, and it looked great. Um, well, it's the only show on the CBS uh, network. They must get all the money. <laughs> I mean, obviously, as a paying customer, I will have to agree with you. I must have just forgotten about... The, uh, I have no comment here. Yeah. No, it was it was cool because I dig that sort of James Bondy first five minutes has nothing to do with mm. the rest of the story thing where you just jump in and where, you see uh, them James in action. Bond jumps in and, open, and starts a well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's at least three of them, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I haven't seen a James Bond movie, so They're I don't know about wells. Oh, of course. <laughs> I have no reason to not believe that. Uh-huh. It, it was cool seeing them just at the end of an adventure before they go on to the next one and... Their banter was a little stiff. This is actually my bad thing. A lot of the dialogue has that problem that pilots, and technically this isn't a pilot, you're right, mm-hmm. but the, the pilots always have lots of exposition, character traits delivered in the form of exposition. There, there's long speeches, and it's like, these guys have served together for seven years, and you're saying, as you know, I was raised by Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Really? I, I was I was watching that this time with, a, with an eye towards your bad thing, and I realized a lot of those shots are just long... A long way away, their faces are covered. There's a that's a lot of ADR. Yeah. Where someone was like, no one knows what's happening. Make them talk about what's happening more. Yeah, and it was a, it was a lot of information to offload, and it was a little stiff. And you know, it's particularly noticeable with uh, Michael and and Captain Giorgio. That's not mm-hmm. the only place that it happens, but that's the most noticeable it, yeah. thing. And. Some of it, I guess, you could excuse because Michael's raised by Vulcans, and she's clearly tamping her emotions down, and she probably comes off a little wooden and a little stiff sometimes, and I can relate, but uh, (laughs) I just don't know where to look, okay? (laughs) Um, But it's still, it was still a little clunky, Mm. and even when she calls up Sarek, I felt like some of that was a little, like... I assumed that was her just, oh, I get to talk to Sarek now. That whole family, man. should go... Well, 
I thought about this because a, a complaint I heard a lot when the show was big. Was it? Was, uh, sorry, sorry. Was it about the hologram sitting down because that really bugged some people? No, it was about how good the Orville is. Um, oh no, god, um, out. Get out. You're fired. No, so a lot of people complain. It's like, oh, Spock's got this sister we've never heard about before. And I'm just like, dude, this is a guy who introduced his his best friend to his parents when they were standing right in front of him. Oh, I just rewatched that episode. Uh-huh. Kirk meets them, mm-hmm. his, his uh, Spock's mother and father. And then it's revealed, like, yeah. oh, this is the Vulcan ambassador. He has a reason to be here that's independent of Spock. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, also, that's my dad. Yeah. Like, he, he, he didn't, didn't want, want to him. bring that up at any point, Spock, my best friend and first officer. No? Okay, fine. And possibly lover? Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't have, like, a spare relative or anything. No, Jim, of course not. Definitely. I'll be over, he- I'll be over here updating the family tree you can't look at. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that didn't... I mean, it's a little clumsy. And as we go into the show, I think we're going to s- have this complaint about why is this a prequel? Why is it... Wrapped up with stuff that it really doesn't. There's no need. There's no reason her oh, dad no. can't be some other Vulcan. Yeah, I like the character, but you got to have those ties to stuff people have heard of. Like why? Because Star Trek is really lazy when it comes to stuff like this. <laughs> I love the show, but like, it always goes for the easiest like thing these days. I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, they're looking at making a show about Khan, which please don't. <laughs> but yeah, they're looking at doing another Picard show, which uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. No, it, you're you're right. You're right. A lot of that is because they're being safe, but it's not the Sarek we recognize. It's not no. even the one from the movies. It's like they're creating a third version of this character. Yeah. Why? That would be great. And they make a, again, they make a huge point of just like, this does not tie into the movies. This yeah. is going, this is leading into the prime reality. And I'm like, and you can say that all you want. It looks just like the t- the movies. I mean, I hate to make a lens flare joke because that's as tired as a red shirt joke. That's as tired as mm-hmm. all the, like, in the very first episode of this podcast, we said we will not make the set phasers to fun and warp speed to hilarity and all that bullshit. And like, Should have been the title of the show, honestly. I feel like lens flare jokes are real close to that. Just, okay, yeah, J.J. Abrams like lens flares. We get it. Mm-hmm. We've seen it. We know. Shut up. <laughs> but they sure lens flared in this one. It's you very shiny. It's, it's unavoidable. And I didn't love that. Mm-hmm. But I... You like the aesthetic, though, didn't you? Was I it, do like the aesthetic. Was this, I, your, was this your good thing? I am a going to find my good thing on my paper. Yeah, no, I am a big fan of the new Starfleet aesthetic. I love the new uniforms. I love the new ship. I love the big friggin' bridge with all the weird robots running around. Mm -hmm. Like, all of it. And, like, it looks great, and it clearly is ten years before the new show. Well, obviously. Uh I mean, it's obviously going to evolve into cardboard. Yeah. (laughs) With that swirly thing, that one monitor that was Mm -hmm. just like... Tear out all this cool hologram stuff. Uh I want big, hard angles. (laughs) And you take pants off. (laughs) All of you. Mm -hmm. Literally one-third of the crew. Uh, Oh, well. (laughs) So many women. No, actually, this this brings me to my good thing, which is one specific woman, which was Captain Giorgio. Mm Mm-hmm. Played by Michelle Yeoh, who is awesome in her own right, but the character specifically, she played her great. But in 47 minutes, she's a better captain than that last guy was in 98 episodes. And I'm really not using this as an excuse to complain about Enterprise. I'm not. It's just that's fresh in my head. I haven't seen a captain this good in so long. Janeway was good. Yep. But Giorgio was just like, she was sympathetic. She was empathetic. She was charismatic. She was a leader. Like, when... They didn't know what was out there. She didn't assume it was an enemy. Mm-hmm. She also didn't run away. She's like, no, we're out here to explore. Let's see what it is. Let's be yeah. careful, but let's see what it is. And when it turned out some Federation guys might be in danger, there's an Andorian colony nearby that might be in danger. She's like, got to step up. We cannot run away. Yeah. 
it's we're the only thing between this thing and innocent lives. Yep. It's like all the things that we have missed about Starfleet captains in so long. And just listening to her to her oh crew. My God. And making her like and making decisions based on what she has been told. There's no like I I know best. And there's no what do you think, uh, uh, to Paul? Well, I think this. Well, that's stupid, and so are you. I hate your people. And yeah. Now what my dad says. Is, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's great. Everything about her. Yeah, is she's great. awesome. And, and like all all that banter stuff I was talking about earlier. It feels like this is the last episode of the Shen the Shenju show. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna never be able to say that correctly. And, like, they've just, they've got, the, like, I would watch this show. I like these people. Yes, absolutely. And we're walking a weird line here because we've seen the series mm-hmm. through once before, but sort of the mission of our show is to review it chronologically, so we probably shouldn't spoil. And we know some listeners follow along with yeah. us, so there's a lot of stuff coming up where the status quo changes. And It's a be... very weird uh, way to treat a series for what we've done so far. It, it is. We did this a little during DS9, and yeah. I think we're probably just going to have to say we're not going to spoil, or maybe in the recorded version of the show, we'll just say, like, last five yeah. minutes, okay, turn everybody it off learn. if you don't want to hear spoilers. Everybody leave now. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't want to hear, leave the room. Uh-huh. But it's safe to say that the status quo changes substantially. The show is called Discovery. There's obviously a ship called Discovery we're mm-hmm. not on yet. That yeah. much you can figure out already. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move on to another captain and a different thing. And you're right. I kind of... Excuse me. Kind of want to stay behind with the uh, with the Shenzhou. Yeah, they're having fun. Yeah. And that's why I got suckered into paying 20 bucks for a terrible, terrible novel about uh, Captain Giorgio because I was so, uh-huh. like, entranced by this character. Now, would you say that the characters of Michael and Spock, when they met in that novel, would you say that they complimented each other like a mirror does? That was, I wish I had the passage in front of me because that was literally it. It wasn't subtle at all. It was, they were like a mirror. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't make the subtext text. Where were you raised? You've done it again, Star Trek novels. Yeah. It was, it was very disappointing. Uh, I, uh-huh. It's always disappointing, and yet I always fall for it. This is the thing I don't like, and I don't want to get into this too much, but, like, the the Trek Discovery media that's come out is so... uh, We can't do anything about Discovery, but we have to put this stuff out. So some books about some characters from this one episode, and here's a comic book about some people you don't care about that aren't in the show. It's the first time they've done a truly serialized show, and Mm -hmm. because of that, they can't step on what the showrunners have in mind for the next thing. Yeah, and it's not like they're like, oh, guys, if you're, as long as you're writing this thing, this is what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know if they know because they change showrunners every 15 mm. minutes, and that's... That is also true. We'll deal with that more when we get into season two. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. There's 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 a lot to like. Uh-huh. There really is. And there's a lot that I wish was different. Mm-hmm. I seri- Let's talk about those Klingons, really. It's... Okay, so this is my bad thing. <laughs> Excuse me. As much as I am here for the new uh, Starfleet aesthetic, I hate the new Klingon aesthetic. The the face, I don't care. The new makeup, it's changing fine. the makeup. Like okay. they did the same thing in the new movies. It's fine. I don't okay, care. but real quick, like I, I there's one sub thought to that before you, you mm-hmm. continue. In the original series, they were basically just mustaches. Yep, that was a Klingon. It's had a mustache. Good, you're a Klingon. Yep. Fine. <laughs> It was more costume than it was makeup. And then we all know, like, even I, I see some people out there who don't watch a lot of Star Trek. You still know what a Klingon looks mm-hmm. like, like Worf. Like, he's got the ridges. They they developed 
makeup technology and they said, okay, here's what Klingons look like. And it's fine. We all said, okay, well, it's the 90s now and you have more of a budget and you can make them look better. Nobody cared except like two nerds on the Enterprise writing staff who yep. were determined to write an origin story about why the foreheads changed and it was so stupid. Yeah. But okay, putting that aside, putting aside my Enterprise rage somehow, that's done. The story's told, mm -hmm. and now we know that fascinating story. But now they changed it again, so someday we're going to have to do the story again of how it changed again. Yeah, but how did they become evil goblins? What about that? <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> anyway, please. I, 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 I hate the armor yep. so much. Well, the, describe it. The weird, it's like weird Elizabethan, like... Honestly, the first thing I thought when I saw them for the first time, there's one in just the whole white thing. I'm like, is he, is, is, is he dressed like Pennywise in the new It movie? <laughs> Look exactly. It's like weird things with like little horns that someone painted red and like worked really hard on. And I hate it. I hate the whole thing. Well, and I, then there's the ship. No, no, okay. And then there's the ships, which are ugly as hell and don't look anything like any of the other Klingon. Like Klingon ships have looked the same. Like that's not a thing they changed when they moved to. No, Nick they look kind of like a. Jet it's like an evil that bird. You elongate. You put a big neck on. Mm -hmm. Like it's got the engine in the back and then sort of a pod in the front and a big yeah. long neck. Not and like the usual the, the Romulan evil bird, but a different evil bird. Yeah. <laughs> and and I hate it. Go on. The the uniforms in particular, I think was probably the Brian Fuller influence. Mm. That feels very him. It feels very when he would go off on his crazy visual tangents on, on Hannibal, which is a show I know a lot of people liked. I was not particularly a fan, but I'm not going to say it was crap. It just wasn't for me. Sure. But he has a very specific visual aesthetic that I think he was trying to put in, and it just doesn't fit. Like, again, why is it a prequel? If you're trying to cram this in between, we saw it, like... Quality issues aside, mm -hmm. we saw Enterprise. We know what it was like then. We know what it was like in the show after that. Why would you insert something in between and then change it all? It just doesn't. And we're not continuity guys. We don't care that much. No. But it, it's very jarring. No, it's mostly just the, that looks ugly. Yeah. It's stupid. That looks and ugly there's... and you look ugly and you should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no reason for it. Yeah. Narratively, it doesn't make it better. Just slap a sash on that guy. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> talk about honor for a minute. Uh-huh. They did. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about Saru? I like Saru. Yeah? It, um, this is partly... It, it, it took a while for me to get to really like the character, but the design's great. Yeah, I love the look of him. Uh, I love Doug Jones. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that this new show has a new alien. Like, it would be so... Again, because Trek always takes the safe way, it would be so easy to just put, you know, another Klingon, whatever. Just... Well, Michael's whole deal is Vulcan, so we'd mm -hmm. probably have to put an Andorian. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. But it would be so easy. And instead, we have this new race that we've never heard of that's okay. got this whole new weird shit. Kelpian might be the dumbest alien name. It's because of the kelp that dangles off the back of his head. <laughs> I think dangle would have been better. A danglian? Yeah. yeah. All right. No, and I, I remember seeing him in the in the trailers. And he's, we, my people have been designed to sense death. I'm like, that's dumb, and you're dumb. And we thought, okay, well, maybe it's figurative. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't literally. No, they literally sense death. Yeah, but I, he's got spider sense. Yeah, but I kind of don't care. I kind of dig it. It doesn't bother me as much as it did at the beginning. This is one of those things I have seen ahead. I know what happens, mm -hmm. and he gets way better. But yeah. right now, like I said in my summary, his job is to just panic and scream and say, we must run away, woo, and it's like. Oh, look it gets, out, Saru, it's Mr. Sluggo, and he's here to take you yeah, out. Yeah, very much like that. And it gets to me, it gets real. There's no character there. Yeah. He's just there to be scared. Yep. And but like, how did you get this far in Starfleet? How I have you... no idea how a guy who's all like, well, we're taking, we're go boldly going where no one's gone before. I don't want to go there. Yeah. And 
there's a point where he's like, well, my people, blah, 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 blah. You've been on this ship for how long? And mm-hmm. you're explaining, like, this, do you give this speech every time? Yes, or, he does. I, we, we, I was sitting back there watching uh, with Brian, who leaned over and said, oh, no, he changes it every time. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, no, no, my, my species is bred for one thing. That was Brian's laugh. I do not want to take credit for that. I'm not a joke thief. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but right now I don't love him. The thing is, like, again, we're getting into stuff that hasn't happened yet, but he has such such a good arc. He does. Over the course of the 13 episodes. Now let's talk about, we've talked about the captain, we've talked about Saru. Let's talk about Michael. Let's talk about the the first protagonist in all of Star Trek who isn't a captain. Mm -hmm. I like her. She is a mess. I love that she is a mess. <laughs> me too. I think it's such a great. It took this took me a couple of like a couple of rewatches yeah. to sort of process. And it's just like when the Klingons show up, it's just like, oh, oh, you're terrified and you're trying to cover it. All this stuff from her childhood just comes mm-hmm. flooding back, and, and it's great. Yeah, and I wish it had been told a little mm-hmm. better instead of her going back and talking and getting the flashback and well, all that, but whatever. I remember the first time I saw it, like, when she does the nerve pinch and then runs out on the bridge. No, 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 uh, she's taking a nap. We're going to, uh, <laughs> but she definitely put me in charge and we're going to kill these guys. I know she, she just said we're not going to kill anybody, but trust me, she changed my, I had a very compelling argument. You know her, always napping. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, I love that she, she just went into full-on blind panic mode. I wish, this is kind of a nitpick because I know you had to get things moving. I wish we'd had a little more of her being reasonable because my first impression the first time I watched this was, Jesus, this is our main character. And when when you realize, when you put it all together, it's just like, okay, this is the first time this has ever happened to her. She's yeah. been in Starfleet for at least seven years, maybe longer. Well, that's why we've had, that's why we had the, the opening. Like, yeah. See her work as a real yeah, person yeah, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. planet and like. But it still happens in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, oh, is this, is, are you this crazy all the time? And no, I, yeah. I realized, no, not at all. And like, I love that we get to see the two halves of, of her like mm-hmm. right away. Like on the planet, she's like, okay, this storm is like three Yeah, she does the spots. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And then we get to see her on the uh, the spacesuit heading over to the thing, and she's just having the most fun t- fun of her life. Oh, yeah, she's going, wee! Yeah, it's great. And it's like, yeah, because, okay, she is a mirror to Spock. Mm-hmm. Thank you, uh, whatever terrible book that was. I don't remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's different. Like, she was raised by... Sarek, yeah. and she was. We saw her in the Vulcan boy fight pits, yep, or whatever they're actually called. I don't know. It's a learning orb, Al. A learning orb. Did you just make that up? Yes. Okay. Good job. Uh-huh. I could have completely believed you. Uh huh. Um, no, but we see her. She even had the bowl cut. Yep. She was wearing the tunic. She was full on like. My parents were murdered, and it freaked me the fuck out. And I am a Vulcan now. Yep. No feelings. I am a robot. Beep boop. And it's a nice callback to actually that kid who uh, went, who hooked up with Data when uh, there's a couple of them yeah. like that. There was one of those, and then Worf adopted a kid yeah, and that forgot he lost. about him. Yeah, <laughs> which was practice for his own kid that he ended up uh-huh. abandoning. Also, didn't you used to have like some kid running around, Mister Worf? No, Alexander is with his parent. No, the other one, the human one. Oh. Yeah, he was like your foster kid. You said he was like part of your house, and you did the whole ritual, and no, it doesn't ring a bell. Mr. Worf, did you leave her on the st- him on the stair car in Mexico? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> him? Yeah. Uh, but so you can see that from her backstory that she's like, nope, Vulcan, not thinking about it. And then you're right. Yep. When you see her on the Klingon mummy ship or whatever the crap it is. Yep. It's got corpses all outside of it. Like, See, I love that. It's very Klingon. I don't understand why there's a Klingon with a 
stoplight stand on his head just standing on this radioactive thing that's supposed to be unspooling her DNA. And I thought that was hanging out. Okay, I thought that was a metaphor. I thought he's like, it would unspool your like, okay, of course, Star Trek always does the dumb like a balloon and something bad happens. And no, DNA is hanging off of her body. But then when she comes back, she's like, Michael, DNA unspooling is a serious thing. And like, wait, it literally uns. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But Saru's like, I told you noodles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Called it. Nailed. I loved all the subtle stuff between mm-hmm. that. Well, it wasn't that subtle, but I loved all the stuff between them. Mm-hmm. They're at the console, and she kind of muscles in to Move, do his dummy. job, and then he muscles back over <laughs> to do his job, and it was very good. Um, but yeah, both of them trying to look good in front of mom. Uh huh. <laughs> but you're right. When she sees the Klingon, she freaks the yeah. fuck out, and that sends her spinning. And I just love how much of a mess she is. Yeah, that doesn't go away. Yeah, spoilers, I guess. <laughs> and it's nice to have. We complained so much about Archer. I look. I tried. We not sure to. did. I every tried. Day. I tried not to. I really did. Believe it or not, that was me toning it back. Um, <laughs> but no, really, we complained a lot about a protagonist we could not relate to doing things, making decisions more often than not that we didn't understand. I don't agree with anything Michael does, but it completely makes sense in context of her character. Yeah, Within forty-seven minutes, I get it. I know mm-hmm. why she did those things. She's making horrible mistakes. What are you doing? It's it's someone who's been pretty together for her entire Mm -hmm. life, just losing it in the course of, like, two hours. She nerve-pinched her captain. Yep. And she just about started, like, oh, my my God. And I I was super into it. Mm -hmm. It was cool. Yeah. Like, there's a good way to write someone who makes shitty decisions in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And I think this was a much better way than the one we previously saw. Yeah. Well, for one thing, he was never called on any of the shit decisions he made every week. No. God. I mean, what? No, we're not talking about that. We're never, we're mm. never going to let that go, are we? Just absolutely never. Mm-hmm. What else? What else, indeed? Those are the, like, the main characters Those, we yeah. got, I think, right? I mean, we so, were introduced to a bunch of Klingons stuff that will come up later. I don't think it's really relevant now. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the uh, Vok, the sort of uh, albino-looking Klingon. It's, it, these guys are going to continue to be an issue. And, and then other Klingons will show up, and they will continue to be an issue. And we'll kind of forget about some of these guys. I don't want to harp on this too much, because there's a lot of good... But God, that stuff bored me so much. Like, it really... They talk in Klingon, in this stilted Klingon that sounds like they memorized the language to get it right phonetically, but they don't feel like they're acting. Mm. And it's like, I would much rather you guys do a bad job of this fake language that nobody but five nerds care about and who cares about them. (laughs) Like, act, man. Like, I want to believe what you're saying, and I don't because you're just reading syllables. Yeah, it would work so much better if they had just done it in English, you know? We said someone could definitely dig up audio of us saying it'd be cool if they just spoke Klingon the whole time. Sure. So, monkey's paw. Yep. (laughs) But... Well, what, like, Trek should listen to us? What the hell do we know? I, 729 episodes, uh-huh, man. Yeah. We, like, no other podcast has made it this That's far. That's true. So, uh, we don't remember any of it, by the way. No. <laughs> Somebody will hit me up on Twitter on, like, Tuesday and say, hey, the reason this happened is because of this. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Did I watch that? That doesn't sound like anything we watched. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's it just, it all blends together. But that's... Again, I keep, I hate to keep comparing it, but really that whole era, starting with Next Gen, DS9 had a little of it, but Voyager and Enterprise, like that Rick Berman era, um, it just, it had the same feel, you know what I mean? It had the same, 
90s TV sort of formula, yep. like, okay, in the fifth act, this is going to happen, and then one more danger, okay, and it just got so, and if nothing else, I don't always agree with all the things the show does, but it's it's more like modern TV. Yep. It doesn't hit the same beats every time. The characters do things that are unexpected. They make it's just, mistakes. They have conflict with yeah. each other. But just the very structure of the show is so different mm -hmm. that it it's just refreshing. Even when it's bad, it's like it's bad in a new way I haven't yeah. seen before, which is which is pleasant. Yeah. So, that's good. Uh, what else? Uh, I want to take a second to talk about how much I love the opening credits. Oh yes. Uh, unlike the terrible opening credits of uh -huh. Enterprise, I watched every. I watched every time. I love the song. I love how it ties into the original series. The art is beautiful. Yeah, so they go back to the orchestral, which they should, mm -hmm. and they do, you know, da da da, like that's what you, that's Star Trek. Yeah, we know what Star Trek's supposed to sound like. Yeah, but it's also its own thing. And mm -hmm. then, yeah, you get this whole like, what? How would you describe? This? I assume it's just like art they use when they were designing everything. But like, it looks beautiful. There's like a shot of like a tiny discovery flying away from a plant tongue, and I'm just like, I'll watch that all day. Yeah, that little that that's yeah. It was like a, a phaser that's like split apart. It's awesome. Yeah, it's all like um, cutaway views of like yeah. if you got those old technical manual books back yeah, in the show day. Show me Mr. Scott's Discovery Technical Manual. Because mm -hmm. I, I totally guess he's also alive. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he would be at this point. That's right? true. Yeah. So I'm also on the show, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's most of the things I had. What do you. I like the big sand uh, logo. Yeah. Yeah, I does that. a good open. At, that was just. I wanna. I wanna take you back to my notes when I was watching this the other night. When we have the big, the big Trek logo and the the, the Shenzhou comes out of the sky, and I wrote down in my notes, God, I love Star Trek. <laughs> I haven't thought that in forever. It, it's it's been a while. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and and again, there's there's a lot of things that I don't love. We're good. Yeah. But, there's a lot of things I do love. I actually don't like those uniforms. I know you're a fan. That's I fine. I'm not. I like the colorful. I like the, you know, the bright red, the mm -hmm. bright yellow, the bright blue. See, I think the um, I think the new badge design is real cool. The gold. Yeah, I'm for actually command. I'm wearing one right now, we and got, I like I like these a good deal. We got gold for command. We got uh, silver for science and medical, and we've got bronze for security and engineering. And all I can think is that's awesome. I feel real bad for everyone in security and engineering. They're gonna feel <laughs> terrible. Third place. Oh, geez, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, if you try real hard, maybe you'll make command someday. Oh, that said, let's think about some of the characters who earned that bronze. Chekhov, mm -hmm. Worf. Yeah, checks out. Um, Tuvok doesn't deserve that. No, he's doing better. Malcolm Reed. Yeah. Most of them. How do. many bronze stars can I throw at him? <laughs> Is it a lot? He gets a chocolate star. Uh huh. They also um, they also have the pips on them, which I love. Mm -hmm. Just a little like the four for captain. And they've got the weird armband. There's a lot going on, and I kind of love all of it. I just, it's a little too muted for my taste. I don't love the shiny, mm. but I think they're going to the original series design next season. Oh, that's cool. Or at least we're going to see some, without spoiling too much, we're going to see some familiar characters from the original series, and they're wearing... They showed us a teaser uh -huh. from behind this character's shoulders, and you saw the gold shirt. Now, so if I can big. recall my reaction to that, it was e. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta. You, you're like you. You magnified here. If you want to see, there you go. Much better. Good job. Uh huh. Any other major points you want to hit? That's all. We're not I used think. to talking about one episode. It feels weird. Yeah, the to, show's gonna. I think the show's gonna start getting shorter. But I figured we had a lot to talk about. We didn't. Definitely didn't want to like do both of them. And uh, 
Also, we got a pad for time now. There's only 15 left, and then we will have done everything. So, you know. Oh, I found out on Memory Alpha, Edgar Wright was asked to direct this episode. I saw that, and there was some drama there where they're like, nah, too good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's only Star Trek. It sure sounds like Rick Berman's still there. I mean, he wouldn't do Ant-Man, so clearly, like... Uh-huh. No, that, that was a little disappointing. Yeah. And there, I mean, they've had so many personnel problems, and there's so much crap going on yeah. behind the scenes, and we only know some of it. And if there's one thing I've learned reading about the other shows sort of after the fact is we're not going to find out some of that stuff for you. like, years. We're only hearing about some of it. It's yeah. probably real bad. Uh-huh. And they keep changing showrunners. Well, the fact that they fired the two showrunners for just being horrible to the writing staff is apparently what happened. Like Now, on the one hand, I wish they didn't treat them like that. On the other hand, I'm glad they take it seriously mm-hmm. enough that yeah. they're like, no, don't treat your writers like shit. Go, yeah. You're fired. Like, that's good. Yeah. But, you know, mm. it means this will be the third set of showrunners in two seasons, two short seasons. Yep. And that means the show's going to be very uneven, which but I don't love. Alex Kurtzman. That guy seems to know his <sighs> shit. Well, that guy brought us Trek 2009, which we loved, uh-huh. and Into Darkness, which we hated. Mm-hmm. So... 50-50. We'll see. Still mad about that, by the way. Yeah, as well you should be. It's not a very good movie. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. Um, we want to head into the... Uh... Well, we've, we, we used to have a long, very long time listeners will remember back when we did the original series, we had a feature on the show called... Uh, Bob, could you hit the reverb, please? In the future! Okay. Really, that, that deserves... Okay, I'll take it. Um, I guess you guys listen to the old episode, yeah. and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, because this is sort of a sequel prequel we've decided to go a little bit of a different direction and bring this feature back and call out some of the weird retcons some of the new things that were there the whole time so uh with that in mind we have a new feature called in the past of the future (laughs) matt you go first uh in the past of the future reverb 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 Human music technology will have reached the point that we can now install a stereo into a human woman. <laughs> that, that one really caught your eye, didn't I it? I really liked that woman just with the thing on her head. Um, mm-hmm. You said it was like a VR thing. That's what that shitty novel said. And I'm just like, nope, robot on the bridge. <laughs> a cool robot. She looked like a Daft Punk, mm-hmm. which was cool. <laughs> and if she is a Daft Punk from Daft Punk Planet, that yep. would be great. <laughs> but it's also possible this book... Like, what they said was that it was a VR display for the tactical. Yep, that sounds dumb. She's a robot. <laughs> See, I think that sounds cool. I mm. I want her to be an alien, too. But maybe other, like, maybe they created that technology because they needed to live, but maybe humans can also use it. Sure. There, now we can both yeah. be right. <laughs> anyway, she should definitely be going like... Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, just, just fun, thumping <laughs> bass anytime <laughs> she's walking <laughs> down the corridors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I almost spoiled something. Yeah. It's going to be so hard. You guys who have seen ahead, you know. There's a, there's a dance party. I'll say that. Oh, God, there is. It's a dance party. Uh, okay, and mine? Um, Vulcan Ambassador Sarek, who once sounded like Vincent Price. Thank you for ruining that forever, Brian, by the way. Pointed out that Sarek sounded like Vincent Price, and I can't not notice that ever now. This is my son, Spock. <laughs> That would be illogical. Yeah. Darkness crawls across the land. <laughs> uh, and then in the movies, he sounded British. Inexplicably, half the people in the uh, the reboot universe just turned British. Carol Marcus was British. And wasn't there another? Wasn't there a third one? I feel like there was. Oddly enough, Ambassador Robocop wasn't British. Yeah. Maybe he couldn't do the accent. Uh. Uh, anyway, now he sounds like disgraced pervert Kevin Spacey. <laughs> 
And now that I've pointed that, you will not be able to unhear that. So <laughs> you're welcome. That's three ruined Therix. <laughs> I just I just want to use the uh, phrase disgrace pervert Kevin Spacey as much as possible. Checks out. Yeah. Uh, and then, as is our custom, we have a quote. Uh, this is, um, rather than choosing two, because there's just the one episode, we just uh, decided on one. And, uh, Bob, if you could play that now, please. Do you want to set this up first? Uh, this is from uh, the meeting with Michael Saru and Giorgio in her office. Okay. Saru, go with her. Captain. Captain. Best to keep variables to a minimum. I wouldn't want to put my colleague at risk. And you, Mr. Saru, are you equally happy not to be put at risk? Oh, on any occasion, Captain. <laughs> what a great character. I like, they gave them kind of a Bones and Spock yep. thing. It was different enough that it didn't feel like they were just duplicating it, but it was definitely mm -hmm. constantly at odds. Yeah, it's, an, it's a really cool working relationship. I like watching these two. I, yeah. And I'm, I like where their relationship will go as the series goes on, which we can't talk about right now. No, there's a, there's a major point where mm -hmm. he turns a corner and... Do we want to do spoilers now? Do we want to, like, this is the last part of the show. If yeah, any, if, if any right, of you are um, concerned about spoilers, plug your ears, leave the room, whatever. But we're going to, we'll talk about Five, four, and... three, two, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he loses the, the, oh, no, and he gets some depth, and he actually, like, I, by the end of the season, they, they make him temporary captain, and it's, I buy it. Like, mm -hmm. right now, I hate him in 15 episodes. You get he's to in charge watch of the ship, and I'm, I dig him it. Earn that earn that captainship, yeah. and... Like keep it. He d delivers an amazing speech to the crew of the Discovery. Yeah, and it's great. He that episode where that happens mm -hmm. to him. I rolled my eyes so hard because it looked like your standard issue possession episode that we got on Voyager a hundred thousand times. Mm -hmm. And then it took a couple of turns and was like, whoa, alien. Yeah, I, like actual something that is not the same bumpy-headed bullshit we've seen a hundred times. Mm -hmm. This is a weird, new, different science fiction concept. Good job. I also really love how betrayed he is by Michael letting Giorgio die. Yeah. Like, when when she shows back up on Discovery and he's commander, he's just like, I trusted you and you ruined everything. You killed mom! And also now I'm commander? Are you kidding me? Do you know how dead I'm going to be? <laughs> Have you seen me? I'm very willowy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, dramatically, it is a bold choice and a stand by them killing the captain. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, no. Yeah. <laughs> the first captain I've liked in so long. She's so good, but I mean, like. We'll get her again. Yeah. <laughs> lo losing her. I cannot, I said this before, I cannot imagine how the hell they thought they were going to do the Mirror Universe stuff with her and. Have just have her have never shown up on the show? Yeah, not getting the backstory of, of showing her relationship with Michael means yeah. when she shows up again, it's like, who's this person? Why do I care? I and mean, Michelle Yeoh, that's cool. But and it's such oh. a good reveal that I called two episodes before she showed up. You'd, we, we because we didn't have the show as a forum, we would take to DMs and mm -hmm. back and forth. Ooh, what do you think's gonna happen? What do you think, you know? It's like, weird, it's like when we were back on the message board and just like, we watched a show that was cool. I mean, we might as well have I hope someone invents the podcast so we can talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> But then we were stuck in the mire yeah. of Enterprise, and it was like, we can't talk about this yet. Oh, my God. But we might as well have been, uh, like, stomach down, knees up on our princess phones on mm -hmm. our beds. Like, did you hear what happened? Oh, my God. You know, like, that, this is every time that's what I yep. pictured. A um, couple of people got that. Um, <laughs> some jokes are for me. Uh, <laughs> no, I, and you said there was a dumb fan 
theory going yeah. around about the mirror universe. And I was like, no. That's the dumbest thing I've ever They That's wouldn't never do gonna that. And, <laughs> God what, damn it, Matt. <laughs> what kind of an idiot would... Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, there's, there's more of that coming. Yeah, we'll get to that. We don't really... Okay, one more spoiler thing. All right. Did you see any clues about uh, Vok? No, that there's, one. There's the, one of the Klingon characters ends up disguising himself as a human and blah, 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 blah. No, like, that one surprised the hell out of me. And I did see some stuff, some people talking about that, about how, like, the char- the person who uh, played Vok was, like, had, like, a weird name and had never appeared in anything else before or something. And they were doing a ju- – like, they were really trying to make it not clear that it was Lieutenant Ash Tyler, a.k.a. the Firewolf. No. Oh, <laughs> Ash Tyler, the Firewolf. Um, yeah, it's not all smooth. But I, I, I read that and I'm like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It was, but you know, I still like the show. Yeah. No, we and we got a lot of cool stuff to look forward to. In season two, I'm really excited about. Broadly speaking, I've said this a million times, but I feel like this show has all the pieces for a good show. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've been assembled in the right order yet, and Tears hoping but that they will. There's enough of Discovery that I really like that I think I, I'm hopeful that it's the characters that uh, two, season two is going to nail it. We'll see. I, they're they're going to bring back Klingons. They're going to bring back the Mirror Universe probably. And it's like, oh, come on, do something else. Don't ruin man. this for me. Yeah. I'm literally begging you. <laughs> I have no control over this. Mm. <laughs> I mean, if you made Ash Tyler happen, maybe I do. I didn't make Ash Tyler happen. Maybe we're hashtag influencers? Is this what I get for creating Trip? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You did create Trip. Betrayed. <laughs> and then they killed him. Uh, no, they do you need a minute, buddy? I'm fine. It's all fine. All right. It's fine. So any final thoughts? Any? No, it's fine. I, I will say we had the advantage when this episode aired, is that the right word? Dropped on the wonderful CBS All Access app that you should definitely pay $6,000 a month to watch one show on. It's I mean, such a savings. Uh-huh. No, they did not leave you hanging with that horrible cliffhanger. Like, Horrible in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? Like, they showed you the second one immediately, and I thought that was that was yeah. good because that would have like driven me nuts. Mm-hmm. So that was good, and and it's rough for us knowing what happens next. And I'm glad we get to watch this a couple times because yeah. there's a bunch of stuff that I thought happened in the first one that happened in the second one, and vice versa. And the entire battle at the binary stars, which is the title, which yep. is probably the best title we're going to get in this season. That also has um, into, into the, the woods. woods I go. Uh huh. Magic, magic to make the sanest man go mad. And don't forget, uh, the butcher cares not for the lamb's cry. That's a Trek ser- <laughs> That's a Trek title as hell. <laughs> that's some the world is hollow and I have touched the sky stuff. Yes, it is. Uh, so that's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, as of right now, we are now officially the most accomplished Star Trek podcast ever produced. So uh, thank you. We appreciate that. No. Well, we were going to drop some balloons on you, but... Uh, We've just been informed that Al's car is being towed. <laughs> I think I care more about the balloons. Mm. Well, we had some music we were going to play during that, and I feel like the people should hear this anyway. This was uh, a, There's a guy who regularly composes songs for our show. He's delightful. His name is Richard, mm-hmm. um, and he has written so many wonderful songs for us. And he wrote this one in honor of, uh, of us covering Discovery. So we'll, we'll, let's go out on that. It's time for Disco with Man and Al. It's time for Disco with Man and Al. Man and Al. It's time for Disco with Man and Al. It's time for Disco 
See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.